All right, uh, we want to ask the question, what happened when man turned his back upon, toward God, turned his back on God? It broke fellowship with God. Uh, and the, the passages will tell us, and we, we won't get into it tonight until next week more thoroughly, but uh, there was a break in terms of the relationship and the fellowship that Adam and Eve had with, uh, with God Almighty. And uh, things would never be the same. It would affect humanity. It would bring sin into the world. And I keep saying that sin is one of the strongest things in this universe. Sin. A rebellion against God. A turning away from, from what God has told us. And so Adam and Eve turned their backs upon God and things would not be the same. Let's look at chapter 2 and verse 4. Uh, we're going to have a, a shift now in, this, in the narration, the story of, of, of Adam and Eve, and have a shift, verse 4 of chapter 2. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Notice now it is the Lord God. It is Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh means the God who ever exists, or the one who ever exists. And uh, Adam and Eve will now have a relationship with God that the animal world could not have. Yahweh, the God who ever exists. And then Elohim is the God who exists in the plural. Elohim, if you're taking a note, El means God, El means God, the O-H means, it comes from the verb to be, to be, and the Eem is plural. God exists in plural. Elohim and Yahweh, the God who ever exists, the God who just is, the God who just is. And for these two, two names of God, will now be used of God because he has a, a unique relationship with humanity, with Adam and Eve. Notice these the two names side by side were not used up to this point. But now we're going to look at man and his relationship with God. Look at verse 5. Now no shrub of the field was yet on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and, and water the whole surface of the ground. A great water action. Uh, uh, there was high humidity. High humidity. Uh, if you've been in Central America or, or in Africa, I've been in both places. And the leaves are just dripping with water. Just dripping with water. Uh, you do not have the tilt of the earth at this point. And so you have, you have all this high humidity. This is how the, the plants were watered, but it had not rained on the earth. How do you get rain? Rain comes from a contrast of weather, hot and cold. You do not have rain unless you have hot and cold. Now look at the, look what we got on the board here, because we tried to explain this. The earth is going around the sun perpendicular up and down on its axis, okay? And so the sun is striking the earth at the equator and a continual uh, at a continual spot as the Earth goes around uh, goes around the Sun, and guess what? You have the, the, all this this water is drawn up from the the equator, creating this this canopy effect, this uh, great covering, 
and uh, on the earth you, you don't have rain because you have you have uniform weather the weather is uniform from north pole south pole equator because the sun is striking the earth continually at the same place now what will the flood be it will be a 14 degree tilt of the earth it will tilt now as until let's say this is the sun as the earth let's say it would be tilting toward the sun northern hemisphere is going to be hot southern hemisphere is going to be cold now you're going to have contrast now you're going to have rain now you're going to have rain and so this is what is what's going on it had not rained up to this point though there was high humidity and moisture that dripped off of the leaves if you will uh, the mist verse 6 rose from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground I went to Managua, Nicaragua when the great earthquake hit uh, back in the back in the, I believe it was the 1970s and <clears throat> got off the plane all the buildings were just dripping with water all the trees heavy humidity sort of wiping your face terrible humidity high humidity because we were virtually at at the equator verse 7 then the Lord God notice notice what it is Yahweh Elohim because he's going to be relating to mankind relating to humanity the Lord God formed man, molded man, of the dirt of the ground. I don't know why he said dust. It's really the, the, the dirt, the dirt of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. A living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. The word garden, garden means a place of protection. A place of protection. Adam and Eve were protected in, in the garden, in this place called the garden. Uh, now, by the way, we told you last week, and hang on to this, otherwise you'll start getting confused. Our mind is, is, is so logical, we want more details. We want, we want to fill in these verses with a lot of details. The Bible doesn't give us that. This is a sketch of creation. And the creation of man we're looking at mankind and it's a sketch <clears throat> you and i want to ask a lot of more questions but the bible doesn't give us the answers it is a quick sketch there is a garden he placed man whom he had formed in this garden and out of the ground the master god the lord god caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food and the tree also is in the middle of the garden, or probably the tree of life, that is, also is in the middle of the garden, and the tree of the knowing of good and evil. The tree of the knowing of good and evil. Now, what in the world are these trees? We don't fully, 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 fully understand this. We have a tree of life, and we have a tree of the knowing of good and evil. Now, God is going to give to Adam a command, about, especially concerning this tree of the knowing of good and evil. And we'll come to that in just a few verses. But let's keep reading verse 10, and we'll get to this tree of the knowing of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. From there it divided and became four rivers, the name of the first is Pishon, and it flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. The Bedlam and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon, and it flows around the whole land of Cush. 
The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Caesarea, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now, what's going on here? God is giving to early, early man. He's giving to early man uh, some some geography, okay, as to where these rivers were and when what was where the, where the garden was was actually located. Now, why mention of the gold, the bedlam, and so forth? I don't fully know why. Why is this mentioned? Except that it is apparently a rich land, a good land, and uh, it's mentioned this way. Now, ancient man would know more about the location and the geography of this than we do. We look at this, and the only thing we can identify <coughs> is the Tigris and Euphrates. But early, early, early man understood these verses better than we can understand them. Remember, many times the Bible is giving us information for a past generation that we as a later generation, we don't need that information or, or we don't understand it. So, so let's give the Bible a break in the sense that there are times it is addressing issues that earlier generations could understand and appreciate where we today may not have full knowledge and full understanding. So the location was known. Uh, you and I would have trouble trying to figure this out but uh, the Tigris and Euphrates are certainly rivers that, uh, well, our, our troops were there uh, for, for several years around the Tigris and Euphrates. Why mention the gold, the bedulum, and so forth? Uh, don't know. These are precious metals and so forth. But uh, again, uh, early man, earlier man, earlier man had appreciation, understanding. We don't. What does this mean? Don't know. Then, verse 15, the Master God, the Lord God, took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowing, a participle in, in Hebrew, the knowing of good and evil, you shall not eat. In the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Now look at the last part of verse 17. Let me tell you how it reads in the Hebrew text. In the Hebrew text, it reads this way. Dying, you shall die. <laughs> Dying, you shall die. What is the point of the tree of the knowing of good and evil? Now I'll give you my take on it. Okay, You may have another idea. I, I take, the, take it <clears throat> that the tree of the knowing of good and evil is a form of test of Adam in that will you do what I tell you to do? Uh, what other moral or uh, purpose is, is in this tree of the knowing of good and evil except of obedience? Will you obey when I give you a command? Will, you do, will, will your life follow what I say or will you be self-willed? Will you follow what I say? And it's, it's a form of a test. Will you do what God says? Will you do what I say? And if you do not, dying you shall die. Dying you shall die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Master God formed every beast of the field, <coughs> excuse me, every bird of the sky, brought them to the man to see what he would call them, 
and whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the creepers, or pardon me, not the creepers, but the domesticated, the domesticated, and to the birds of the sky, <clears throat> to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. There was not one that was that he could relate to. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. He slept, and he took out he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in that place. And the Lord God molded or fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Uh, obviously, you have, uh, you have a relationship between uh, female and male species in the animal world. Uh, but this is a special work of God. It is a work whereby God is saying you will relate to the woman. There will be a special relation because I'm going to create her especially out of you, Adam. She will come forth from you. She will be molded and fashioned from you. Therefore, you will have a special relationship with her. You'll have a special understanding of her because she will have come from you. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh <clears throat> she shall be called Shisha, or woman, because she was taken out of Ish. And there's a play on words here. Adam, your name is Ish, or you are called an Ish, and she's an Isha, okay? She's an Isha. She will have come from you, you're an Ish, and she is an, is an Isha. She has come directly out of you. And Adam is, is floored by this. He's absolutely just just over, overwhelmed. He says, this is bone of my bone. She came from me. Directly she came from me. She was created from me. And suddenly there is a relationship that should be a strong, strong relationship between man and woman, between Adam and Eve, between the man and the woman itself. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife. They shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Uh oh, now what's going on here? Uh, today, nakedness in, inspires heavy, heavy emotion. Heavy emotion. And because of sin, on the other side of this story, because of sin, there will be an abuse and a misuse of nakedness. There will be a destructive element because of sin that will come along. Not before the fall. Not before the fall. Uh, by the way, this would also tell us that, that it was warm. They didn't, they didn't need clothes. Uh, they, they were naked. They had no clothes. And they didn't need clothes. And they handled the sex life, if you will, in an appropriate manner. But on the, on the other side of sin, they will have to clothe themselves because there will be a fire raging that will cause an abuse or misuse of nakedness. Uh, and by the way, this is exactly what the rabbi is saying. I think they're dead right on this. Absolutely correct. Notice the two shall cleave, or he shall cleave to his wife. Notice this. The man is to cleave to his wife. It's not her holding on to him. She's, he's holding on to her. He's holding on to her. He's going to protect her. He's going to be close to her. 
He holds on to her, he cleaves to her, and the two shall become one flesh. All right, the story gets heavier. And I've got, uh, let's stop here because we're going to get into a whole new shift here with chapter 3. Let's stop here and see if you have any questions uh, at this point. Again, it's compressed. This is a compressed story. It's mashed together. The story is moving quickly. Uh, a lot of things we want to fill in between the verses, but the Bible doesn't give it to us. But any comments or questions that you want to ask on, on these passages up to this point? Yes, Susie? Up until this point, do you think that they were not going to die? Very possible. Not going to die, yes. Yes, they were not going to die. Uh, I think that the, the, the sin will bring on death. Because the last part of 17 says it's strong in the Hebrew. It's weak in the English. Dying, you shall die. Now, they won't die instantly. That is, the moment Adam sins, it will not be kaboom. There'll be a process. I always like it as to falling down the stairs. You know, tripping down. Man will get worse and worse and worse. And you'll have the first murder. And then you'll have a compounding of sin and so forth. To where, where death then, then overtakes uh, not only Adam and Eve and their children, but uh, the, the species of the world, the other animal kingdom, the rest, rest of the animal kingdom, I should say. So death is, uh, it was not planned in the, in the original creation. Death was not planned. It was not part of original creation. And it's, as you see, it's very hard for us to conceive this. This is why as we look at the authority of Scripture, what do we fall, about, fall back upon? The authority of Scripture or what we might think it uh, should be? Uh, scripture is giving us the authority. Now, uh, I think that the, the, the death would, was not here. Death was not here. Now, I don't think I'm a, I, I, I may be a percentage off on that, but I think that that's, that's the picture that we have here. Death was not around. Death, death, is, death comes about because of sin. And that's hard for us to grasp, that death comes about because of sin. Um, and then Paul virtually says that in chapter 8. Uh, go to chapter 8 of Romans for a moment. <clears throat> chapter 8. Um, <clears throat> verse 18 chapter 8 verse 18 Romans <clears throat> Paul says I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us for the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. I think he's talking about us and the new life that we will receive because of redemption. For the creation, now watch this, the creation was subjected to emptiness or futility. Not of its own will, but because of Him, God, who subjected creation in anticipation that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Because we will receive eternal life, there will be a new creation that will follow. 
because God will have redeemed us through Christ. Now watch this. Look at verse 22. We know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen isn't hope. Now look back at verse... Um, at verse... Uh, da, 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 um, uh, well, I wasn't thinking of 10. Let's see. Um, now look at verse uh, verse 20. The creation is sub subjected to emptiness or futility. Not of its own will, but because of God who subjects it. God subjects creation to emptiness, to futility. It is God who subjects it. Why does God subject creation to futility or emptiness? Why? Because sin has polluted creation. Sin has destroyed the, the integrity of creation. And God, therefore, is going to bring creation as we know it to an end. Look at verse 21. Creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption. Verse 22. We know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. It's groaning to be delivered. Creation is, is polluted. It's diseased. Why? Because of sin. Now, now look, let me make one statement. Our time is gone, but look, one statement. I want you to go out with this in mind. It is hard for us to grasp. Almost impossible for us to grasp. The heaviness, the weightiness of sin and how God hates sin, and how sin somehow goes from us and affects creation. That is almost impossible for us to grasp. That these trees are going to die, and, and yet God has put a creativeness, a creative element into the trees and the grass and, and, and other, the other animal kingdom. He's put a creation element in them, and yet they die. They can have disease. I, I asked Dr. Uh, Dr. Kennedy yesterday morning, I said, uh, can, uh, can my cats and dogs, can they, can, can they get rheumatism? Yes, they can. Uh, my, my, my little cat's starting to limp. Uh, she's, she's subjected to, uh, to futility. And it is God who's doing it. God is going to get rid of this thing. He's going to start with the sons of God, the, the, those who have been redeemed by Christ. And from there, he's going to build a new creation, a new eternity, a new eternity. I'll bet half the people in this room, including myself, we, we, we're in pain. And God's going to liberate us from that. And he's going to liberate the, 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 the animal world and the, the vegetational world and create something brand new. Not, not, I don't believe there's going to be new, new animals running around necessarily. That's not my point. But my point is he's going to get rid of sin that's affecting the animal kingdom and the, the vegetation kingdom, he has subjected it to futility. That's hard for us to grasp. It's almost like we want to reject that. We don't accept that. But this thing is in trouble. It is in trouble.
Look at the world. Look at look at the forces that are coming against each other. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. It has an end. It has a finality to it. Okay? Because of sin. The weightiness of sin. It began with Adam disobeying God. It passed down to his children. Passed down to us sitting in this room. And God says, look, it's mentioned right here. The redemption of our body. The adoption of sons. Look at verse 23. Uh, God is, has, has, is, is going to liberate all of this. He's going to liberate us. Sin is a weighty, weighty rejection of God and it affects all of creation. All of creation. I can't grasp that. I can read it and I can accept it, but I can't grasp it. And you and I, uh, we're redeemed. By the, by the Son of God. We are redeemed by trusting Him. Oh God, help us. Help us, Lord. And He says, I will. You trust my Son. And then I'm going to, I'm going to start I'm going to make this whole thing. I'm going to liberate it. And get rid of sin. And get rid of the, the father of sin, Satan. And be starting all over again in a certain sense. And you know how I mean that. Alright, let's close in prayer. Father, these are heavy and weighty, weighty passages, and yet as we look at the world, as we look at creation, as we look at ourselves, we see the truthfulness of these verses. We're in a world that is, uh, is affected, in a world that is diseased with, with sin. And uh, sin we, is, a, is a departure from you. It's a rejection of you. And we thank you for the salvation that we have in Christ and all that will happen and someday be changed because of Him. Thank you for these verses tonight. In His name we pray. Amen.